0: Good morning. It is good to be with you. And it's good this morning as we commit ourselves to remembrance that we're looking at this psalm, which is all about um, the remembrance of God's people of the help that the Lord had given to them through the generations. It's a, star- a psalm that tells stories. This oral storytelling tradition was a really important part of the culture formation in Israel. Stories form cultures and communities, and what we choose to remember and retell shapes who we become. Now, a story that has really caught the imagination of our own culture um, is the story of the miracle of Dunkirk. And it's really fitting today that um, this was what, what came into my mind as I read this story of Israel's remembrance and as I reflected on our own remembrance that this is something, this is a story that we have told that reminds us of God's goodness and faithfulness. So I'm going to tell you this story now. On the 10th of May, 1940, Hitler unleashed a military onslaught on France and Belgium. Within days, the British army was outmaneuvered and unprepared. Along with soldiers of other allied nations, they found themselves with their backs to the sea and hemmed in by their enemies. The German high command was able to boast with confidence that its troops were advancing and they were going to annihilate the British army that the total destruction of the entire army was imminent, was a view shared by the political leadership of Britain. The Prime Minister Winston Churchill found himself preparing to announce to the public an unprecedented military catastrophe involving the capture or death of a third of a million soldiers. But it didn't happen. On the 23rd of May, King George VI requested that the following Sunday should be observed as a national day of prayer. Late on the Sunday evening, the military decision was taken to evacuate as many as possible of the Allied forces. And on the Sunday, the nation devoted itself to prayer in an unprecedented way. Eyewitnesses and photographs confirm that there were overflowing congregations in places of worship across the land. Long queues formed outside cathedrals and in the same day, an urgent request went out for boats of all sizes and shapes to cross the channel to rescue the besieged army. A call that was answered by around 800 vessels. Yet even before the praying began, As prayer often works, curious events began to happen. In a decision that infuriated generals, Hitler ordered the army to halt. Had they continued, the destruction of the Allied forces would have been inevitable. But they didn't. Even more uh, amazing. The next day, on the the Tuesday, the weather turned in such a way that it grounded the Luftwaffe and the British and Allied forces were able to march unhindered towards the beaches. Then on Wednesday, after such an incredible storm, the sea became extraordinarily calm, making it possible for small vessels to safely cross. And by the time the German army was finally ordered to renew its attack, over 338,000 troops had been snatched from the beaches, including 140,000 French, Belgian, Dutch and Polish soldiers. Many of them would return four years later to liberate Europe. Now, you could argue that this was all just a coincidence, but I don't think so certainly wasn't considered to be so at the time. And on Sunday, the 9th of June, it was declared a national day of thanksgiving. And everyone was encouraged by Churchill himself to praise God for the miracle of Dunkirk. This psalm is a little bit like this story in that it is a reminder of God's faithfulness and his might in protecting his people. The repetition of the phrase, if the Lord had not been on our side, reinforces the fact that the Lord was, in fact, on their side. The psalmist goes on to describe some of the disasters that would have befallen God's people. They're each references to the surrounding nations who took the Israelites into slavery or attacked them when they would turn away from God. The wide open mouth swallowing them up is a reference to the Canaanite God who was said to have eaten Baal. The waters that would have swept them away a reference to the escape from Egypt through the Red Sea. But even at the point in their history where the people were far from God when they had turned away from him and perhaps God had seemingly abandoned them God was their protector and sustainer because although they were oppressed, they weren't wiped out. Lamentations 3 reflects on some of the similar stories and concludes, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Reflecting on the same experiences as the psalm, this passage recognises that had God abandoned them, they would have been consumed. But because in his faithfulness, even when they turned away from him, God didn't abandon them, they were sustained and returned. In a similar way, when we think about the people of God, both Christians and Jews, who faced incredible risk in the Second World War. The story of Dunkirk that I told earlier reminds us of God's faithfulness in intervening for his people and saving them. We've talked a lot over the last few weeks about the things that may have been going through the minds of those who set out for Jerusalem singing these songs. This psalm is a clear reminder to the people that God's faithfulness in sustaining them through their history. It's a faith building song to encourage them that in all circumstances, God is with them and for them. It shows us something that God's people have known for millennia that the stories that we tell about God are important, that they build faith and community that they draw us together into shared experience, and that they help us to get to know God as we see his character reflected in the experience of others. So what are the stories that we need to tell? As we've been celebrating our 200th anniversary over the last few months, we have made Our task to tell the stories of God's goodness and faithfulness to his people here in Southport over generations. And we have an important role to play in telling a better story about Southport, about the love of God for its people and the hope that he offers to each of them. What are the stories that we tell to our children or to one another when we gather do we count all of the ways that the Lord has been on our side? Do we remind one another of God's faithfulness and goodness in every season? We have an important story to tell about the northwest of England. This has been a huge uh, theme for me uh, through my training. That we ta- the, the stories that have been told about our region are terrible. They're stories of um, lack, of underachievement, of hopelessness. But God wants to tell a different story. We have a story to tell about the goodness and faithfulness of God. Jeremiah 29, which is everyone's favourite Bible verse, says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is the tone of this psalm, to remind God's people of his intentions towards them, which are good. That the God they are approaching has been faithful. And this is a really important part of what we are called to do as the church, as we gather together, as we speak into our communities. We are to lift one another up with the stories of God's goodness and faithfulness. We're to tell a better story of the hope and the future that God has planned for our town and for our region. And we're to work to see those stories come to fruition. And as we do that, as we praise him and tell the stories of his goodness and his faithfulness, we will approach him more boldly in prayer to see his goodness and his faithfulness worked out in our generation. So I challenge you today to think about the stories that we tell. Do we tell those negative stories about the places that we live and work? Or do we tell a more hopeful story?